Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast, where we go deep on the sport of gravel cycling through in-depth interviews with product designers, event organizers, and athletes who are pioneering the sport. I'm your host, Craig Dalton, a lifelong cyclist who discovered gravel cycling back in 2016 and made all the mistakes you don't need to make. I approach each episode as a beginner to unlock all the knowledge you need to become a great gravel cyclist. This week on the podcast, I'm going to hand the mic over to my co-host, Randall Jacobs, who's joined by Joe Conkra. Joe is the founder of the O Positive Festival in New York. He's joining Randall to talk about community and how the bicycle serves as a vehicle for connection. I think you'll enjoy this conversation, but before we jump in, I need to thank this week's sponsor, Hammerhead, and the Hammerhead Karoo 2 computer. The Hammerhead Karoo 2 is the most advanced GPS cycling computer available today with industry-leading mapping, navigation, and routing capabilities that set it apart from other GPS options. Free global maps and points of interest included, like cafes and campsite, means you can explore with confidence and on-the-go flexibility. Once again, the other night I was hit with Hammerhead's bi-weekly software update, where new features are released So unlike other head units, your Karoo 2 continues to evolve and improve, each ride getting better than the last. Personally, I love the climbing feature that's available on the Karoo 2. One thing I noted in comparison to some of the other devices I've used is that now the climber feature kicks in whether or not you've got a route loaded or not. That's super important. I was riding the other day testing out another device and I hit a climb that's very known, but I didn't have a route loaded. And all of a sudden that climbing feature wasn't available. I very much appreciate what the engineers at Hammerhead have done to make this computer as good as it can be, but to continue to improve it. For a limited time, our listeners can get a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Hammerhead Karoo 2. Just visit hammerhead.io right now and use the promo code the gravel ride at checkout to get yours today. This is an exclusive limited time offer for our podcast listeners. So don't forget to use the code the gravel ride. That's a free heart rate monitor with your purchase of a crew too from hammerhead.io. With that business behind us, I'm going to hand the mic over to Randall and I'll talk to y'all next week. Where do we begin? Uh, I don't know the Randall and Joe comedy hour. I have no idea. Where do you want to start? Well, how about origin story? Because people have asked me this a number of times, and I actually don't know if I get it right. I think hmm. I get the high level of it. Like how we met? How we met. Huh. How did we? Cause, you cause we go back a little ways now. Yeah, so here, this is what I remember. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> and uh, now, if I remember correctly, so I'm sure we'll get into O positive and what O positive is at some point. But I was doing, as I often do, research on partners for O positive to help this crazy experiment continue. But I'm also like a mad cyclist, mad being the operative word. And I somehow found thesis. And I think I just wrote to the info at and was like, I think this model's really awesome. And I do this festival where we exchange for healthcare, which probably doesn't make any sense at all. And would you like to come talk about being a sponsor or a partner? Yeah. And then you said, we're actually going to be on the East Coast. And then I ridiculously said, well, why don't you swing through Kingston and we can demo a bike, which then I had to buy a bike. That's <laughs> Wait, how, that, that was, that that's why my you story. bought a bike? <laughs> well, I rode it. 
Okay. I mean, it was pretty simple. Once you ride it, you're like, okay, <laughs> this bike's amazing. I should probably ride more gravel and get off the road. I've survived this long in my life without being killed by a car. So, uh, yeah, that's why. Is that close to what you remember? That's more or less exactly the way I tell the story. Yeah. So essentially, you'd reached out. And the way I've told it is you'd said, hey, I like what you guys are doing. I'm thinking about getting a bike. Also, here's what I do. And you should come check out Kingston. Um, and then that evolved into, you know, we did a, a small uh, event at uh, Utility Bikes. Yes. Great uh, time. Yeah. And really from that first moment, there was a seed planted in me about being here. Some listeners will know I, I now live in Kingston. But we're closing the gate after you. Like yeah. nobody else. Like, oh, yeah. Don't come here. It's not fun here. It's terrible. Here. Yeah. Don't. This is not where you want to be. Yeah. And I remember at the time I was becoming, I wasn't quite done with San Francisco, but I was getting to a different place in life and didn't quite know what would come next. And that seed was watered every single time I came back and I kept coming back. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to remember, I think the next time I came, we had a little team summit. A couple mm -hmm. of team members during COVID, and uh, we were here with you, and uh, you showed us around, and we were here for a couple of days, and that was great. I remember ending up on your roof deck looking at the mountains uh -huh. on this beautiful day with my colleagues. Uh -huh. And then the next time I came, I think it might have been my first O positive, did the gravel ride. Yep. I uh, made a couple of friends on the ride who are now friends here. You were starting the, what was then the Trust Hub, now Trust Up project. Mm -hmm. And you were looking for somebody to, to help run it. And you had this idea for something and uh, some funding lined up. And I joined the, the hiring committee and now been involved as an advisor. And now Rob Jameson, who runs that project, is a good friend. Yeah. And so on a very personal level, like you've had a pretty big impact on my life through the direct things that you've done with me, but then also just the, the resonance that I felt while being here, hanging out with you, the people I met through you and through the, the, the community that is here, so much so that I moved here. I bought my first house. That says a lot about, about you and about this place. And this is a place that has a, a significant amount of your influence on it. Hmm. You walk around and you have the murals and you see the little O positive hmm. at the bottom of the mural. And, you know, there's a number of community initiatives that have been kicked off as in this area, presumably stemming from that initial O positive grant when you first got the festival off the ground or, or a few years mm -hmm. after that. But, so thank yeah. you. I'm so glad we're not like you actually said, do you want to do this with video? And, I, and it's because of this, because I be people would see that I'm beat red right now. Um, because I'm, thank you. And also like, it makes me very uncomfortable to hear these things. I feel like everybody does the best they can and you get lucky to create space for things to happen. If you're really, you know, if you really, really think about what we do as human beings, as people listen to this as cyclists, right? We're always looking for the gaps. We're always looking for the space. We're always looking for that, that thing between the thing right? At least I know I am. So when we met, I was like, oh, well, here's the bike I'm going to ride. And this, this guy seems really interesting. I want to know more about what they're doing and what gives somebody, like, why does somebody want to reinvent the wheel is literally what I thought when I met you. Like, you want to bring down costs. You want this thing to be this, this way. You're designing it. It's amazing. Like, same for me. Like, being on a bicycle for me 
in the woods being out. Like last night, I went riding and some hippie decided to destroy my knee. It was a voodoo doll. And we'll get to that. And, uh, <laughs> and I want to keep you all listening. You ride in Woodstock? <laughs> yeah, no, close. Rosendale, same thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, there is a desire to work a lot in community and do a lot of really good things. The counterweight to that is being on your bicycle and being alone. So I can tell you that the thesis bike that I ride, more than any road riding I did since 1982 on, right? Being in the woods on gravel alone and like riding by a beaver pond and seeing an owl at seven o'clock at night in the Hudson Valley is the quiet. It gets the monkeys out of your head and quiets you down. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, very thankful for, you know, what you've designed, this podcast, I really like the. I really like what's on Slack. I think that's really, really yeah, great. To be able to communicate with people on the ridership is great. So you know, there's mutual respect in that way. I think yeah. that it's really, really important just to acknowledge how. You know, cyclists are weird, right? They're like hockey goalies, soccer goalies, cyclists, place kickers, and football, right? They, every cyclist I know is like, yeah, I really want to be your friend, but also leave me alone. Like it's this weird dichotomy. Like they've got their hand up and come here at the same time, which I really appreciate. And I find that really, 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 I'm just thankful. You have maybe more of an outside view on cycling and cyclists than I do, because I had just been in it for so long. Mm -hmm. Like I was a competitive cyclist for a period, and that's its own kind of mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, Worked worked in the industry quite a bit for quite a long time. I mean, obviously I have a company, I do this podcast and so on. So I was like in it versus you are... I think first and foremost, but an artist, a community builder. Yeah, I think first and foremost, I make paintings. I mean, yeah. that, that's what I do, right? And then yeah. I do all these other things outside of the studio, right? So I, I run a nonprofit with my friends, who which I built since two, in 2010, um, that exchanges art and music for medicine at the festival you've been to every year. Yep. We're about to go year-round with a clinic after 13 years to take care of artists and musicians based on an exchange model, not based on money, trying yep. to take money out of the system. Um, and... I ride bikes and I've ridden bikes like every day of my life for my entire life because I love them and surround myself with cyclists and just riding in general. Um, so yeah, not a pro avid cyclist, I think is what they would call it back in the day, an avid cyclist. Well, before we, we dive in on the, the clinic and O positive and so on, I'm just, uh, want to kind of pull up this thread. What, what do you notice? Do you notice patterns amongst cyclists in particular? So you mentioned like... Can I just throw Can I throw yeah. a cyclist under the bus, like metaphorically? I mean, we're under there. All right. <laughs> it's us too. I think everybody listening to this knows this. This isn't a secret. But I was a road rider for years. Like mm-hmm. back in the, you know, you turn whatever age, you, get your, you save up your money because you're working at McDonald's or your newspaper route and you buy your first road bike. It's like a Ross. It's yellow. It's ugly as hell. Then you graduate to your next bike and you get a Schwinn because you think that's the best bike. Whatever. And you're, you, Greg LeMond's your, all those things. Yeah. Then you spend years in group road rides and you do a little bit of like racing like you and stuff and you do all the things and you train do all, and you go on group rides. A couple years ago, after getting the thesis, four years ago now, I stopped. Mm. And I was like, what a culture shift. I'm not hammering. (laughs) I'm riding with my friends. I'm getting a great workout. I'm in the woods. And just recently, and I know people are going to listen to this and know me, and I rode ride with, and please don't put your pump in my spokes when we ride together. But I went on a group ride again, a road group ride. 
and it was terrible. <laughs> I spent the whole time looking at the wheel in front of me and somebody's back. When I went to the front, I got to have a good, nice view. But that's what I noticed more than anything else. People are moving away from that way of riding mm. to a more community-based ride. For instance, you mentioned utility bikes. There's a whole generation of kids in sneakers and cut-off jeans, and that's their ride. That's how they ride. Yeah. The old guys like me wearing stupid spandex plastic shit. Like, sorry, I didn't mean to curse. Can I curse on a podcast? No, no, that's right. definitely going to get us well, in trouble. Sorry, FTC, F, F8, FDA, whatever, whatever regulatory agency. Not but, for human consumption. <laughs> <FDA>. <laughs> but I think that's the big shift, right? There's been this massive cultural shift. I'm a little bit nervous to see money going into gravel riding yeah. in a way that I think it might screw it up a little bit. It starts getting a little bit competitive where I really like the like, like the first big long distance gravel ride I did, I remember like getting ready and being like a little bit nervous, like it was a race. I kept reminding myself it's a ride, and then like some dude passes me cranking out Aerosmith on a boombox tied tied underneath his top tube, wearing a cowboy hat, cut off jeans and sneakers, smoking a joint, and I'm like, this is amazing. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what a different culture. So I, I hope that that culture um, exists and keeps growing. I, I think it will. I think gravel. Specifically, there's something about the medium that is itself very conducive to that. You're doing mixed terrain riding, you're leaving from your back door. It's not like a road ride where you're either going solo or you might be going on some group hammer ride, the terrain isn't changing all that much and so on, or a mountain bike ride where you're hopping in your car. Mm. So there's something more out the door. I think the events that I've been to, there's definitely a trend towards elite racing mm -hmm. we, we've had event organizers for some of the biggest races on the pod uh, have, have had elite racers on the pod and so mm -hmm. on and like that's its own thing and as a I would have joked in the past and I almost did it again I was gonna say a recovering racer but at the time I was racing it was great yeah like, I was living my best life and just because current me isn't into that doesn't mean that past me was getting it wrong because future me is definitely going to look at current me and say, what were you doing at that time? Right, yeah. And the other thing I'd say is if you're more resonant with one way of riding, create that and let people migrate to it. Like the utility ride and a couple mm -hmm. other rides around here. But also what we've talked about growing O-positive rides around that. There's no race. It's more like here's a ride where we're going to go out and have a shared adventure, go through a shared ordeal. It'll be accessible to riders of a variety of different abilities. And then we're going to have a party after. Totally. In fact, it's a whole weekend of a party. Yeah, let's talk about that. So let's well, get in. I also, what, are, what are the dates? Uh, this year will be October 6, 7, and 8. Yep. And But I just want to say this for all my roadie friends because I still go out on the road. Don't hate me. But there's road rides at O Positive too. Our road right? rides I mean, there's, ro there's road, gravel, and a mural-to-mural -mural tour mm -hmm. um, for families and kid-friendly and bring your dogs and whatever craft you want to try to pedal around yep. uh, the city of Kingston. So. I'll give you a little bit of the origin story and what we do, because yeah. I think that'll probably help people. So if you haven't heard about O-Positive, which I suppose most people haven't, um, we are based in Kingston, New York, and our festivals, which are music and art-based, every artist and musician who plays the festival puts up a mural, dances, tells comedy, whatever they do. In exchange, we build a clinic, and in that clinic are 160 providers. Everyone sees a doctor, has access to a dentist, mental health professionals, acupuncture, massage, you name it, it's all there. We started in 2010 with a really simple idea. As a painter, it was very it was very easy to say, 
well, you know what? We never have insurance. So what if we did a festival where instead of paying the artists with money, because we didn't have any money anyway, we got a bunch of doctors who loved music and art and said, would you see these people? So what started as a very, very small festival in 2010, we've done 22 festivals nationwide. Our home base is here in Kingston. Every year in October, we do the big one here. And uh, it's grown to include gravel riding and a whole weekend of experiential yoga and sound healing, dance parties, you name it. It happens from Friday night till Sunday night. When is this coming out? We can put it out whenever. Whenever okay. makes sense. I can give you a headliner. So yeah. this year, one of our headliners will be comedy. It's Bobcat Goldwaith. I don't know if you remember him from the movies. and But I remember I, him as a stand-up guy with that crazy voice. But I can't wait to say hi to him and meet him and thank him for making me laugh for years. Because especially coming out of the pandemic, like we're not dead yet. Like no. we should laugh. Like we should be like, holy shit, we're alive. Like let's enjoy this moment. And hopefully he'll go to the doctor. He'll go to the dentist. He'll talk about mental health, you know, and, and, and people will be able to come out and enjoy the weekend. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things that really resonated with me when I first started looking into O Positive and getting to know you and coming here was this feeling of, okay, there are, there are issues in the world that affect me personally. Like I have a significant concern about engaging with the medical system, the medical industrial complex, because you hear horror stories. And I know people who've been bankrupted by a system that on the one hand, people say here in America, we have the best healthcare in the world. Well, you might add the caveat that money can buy, mm -hmm. but unless you have really good insurance, you can end up drained if you're a small business owner or something like that, and you don't have a platinum package. And then there's all these ways in which it deals with symptoms and not with underlying issues. Like mental health isn't simply going to a therapist once a week, though I've had periods in my life where that was really helpful in transitioning and getting context and so on. But it's much more holistic. It's like, mm -hmm. do you feel a sense of belonging in your community? Mm -hmm. uh, are you part of something bigger than yourself where other people rely on you for certain things and when you have need, people are there to help you out? And that's something I, I experienced from day one uh, upon moving here. And I have it within my family. And I've had it within friend groups, but to a lesser degree in other places because people live too apart or like they're too focused on their career or whatever else. Mm -hmm. I had some very dear friends in San Francisco, but everyone's really busy. Mm -hmm. I didn't know my neighbors. I lived in a building with six units and I barely ever spoke my neighbors, despite my best efforts, right? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm very gregarious in that way. And the dynamics here were different. And last year was really the tipping point for me being at the festival and just seeing how all the things that I liked about, say, something like Burning Man, but without the excess and the exclusivity mm -hmm. and the whole place of wash and money, even though it's pretending not to be about money. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing live music and you're celebrating with your neighbors. Mm -hmm. Like you're in celebration with people that you're going to see the next day at the cafe mm -hmm. or my neighbor works at the convenience store on the corner. Mm -hmm. You know, things like this. That's a, a very different thing that for me, I, I had this feeling of wanting something and not knowing what it was. Mm. And then when I experienced that, I was like, this is it. Mm. This is the thing where like O positive for me represents something much bigger, as big as the healthcare component of it is. It, mm. it, it is, is a different mindset in many ways. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's so wonderful to hear you say that. I would say that 
because O positive takes money out of a system that people are used to having run by money for three days and says, hey, look, this can be different. The whole tenor of that weekend feels like what you just said. It feels inclusive. It feels community. And people have always said, I can't even describe what it is. And I'm like, well, don't worry about it because we're not used to it, right? Like we're not used to living in a system where we go, you know, and it's not, I mean, yes, we take donations to come into the festival. We run on donations, right? But when you go through the clinic, if you're an artist or musician or volunteer, and you go through that clinic and you get a root canal in exchange for playing your set, mm-hmm. that's a whole different conversation because what it does is it says, hey, we value each other equally. Yes. And yeah. that is different because we live in a system that does not value people equally ever. We value money first usually. And we say it O positive, not this weekend. Not this weekend. And that is vital. And the other thing that I think that's really important is you recently moved to a town where, you know, it's in flux, yes, because people have moved in in droves here during the pandemic, but also like we introduce artists and musicians for 13 years now to their local doctor. So we hear it on the medical side. Like, I love being a doctor here because I know these patients. These are now my mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. Because when you're mm-hmm. at that show and you're dancing, yes. that doctor's dancing next to you. Yep. And that is totally cool because the lab coat's not on. Yeah. And we take we just peel away all of the all of the things that we all the baggage we bring. Well so you mentioned money and, and we can really distill it down to using price denoted in money as the sole driver of exchanges. And so you need a thing and you go on Amazon and you order the thing because it's the lowest price and it gets delivered at your door and you get up the next day or a couple days later and it's there, right? Mm -hmm. You have no relationship with the person who made it. You probably don't even interact with the person who delivered it, right? There's no relationship there. Mm -hmm. Nobody involved in that exchange is going to be there for you when you don't have money to buy a thing, right? Right. And furthermore, there's benefits of providing things to other people that are not incorporated in what you get paid. Like I don't help out my neighbor when he needs to move an air conditioner because he's going to pay me. I do it because it's an opportunity to hang out. Mm -hmm. And because the day I moved in, he's coming over the fence to to say hello. And we were talking about taking down the fence. And having that sort of interdependency and having exchange that is taking into account like I get to interact with you. I get to be in community with you. That has value. The other thing you mentioned, valuing everybody the same, the Trust Up project, core to that vision when you initially pitched it was this concept of time banking. It took me some time to get my head around it. I kept wanting to fit it into a model of like, oh, well, maybe somebody can earn two time credits if their service is worth more right, or something right, like right. that. It's like, no, no, that's not how it works. I mean, maybe talk about some of that concept and how it integrates into the mindset around what you're building with O positive. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? If we talk, first of all, I mean, the dollar is a great unit unit of measure, right? We all agree that this is the unit of measure. So I get that side of the story. I think what we're trying to address is the inequity of that dollar and how that dollar is different values for each, for different professions. So if we think about time banking or we think about just straight exchanges, what you want to do is even get away from what you said. In our mind, it's like, no, a doctor visit isn't worth two units of measure. Yeah. Right. You don't it need is, a medium of exchange. It's a it's a, it's a direct exchange. It's, exactly. It's harder. Exactly. And time is just time. 
Yeah. I will give my time, whatever that time would take, mm-hmm. to do this task. Oh, I am available. I could also let you use my lawnmower for this much time. I mean, yeah. this, the funny part is, Randall, at the end of the day, I think what we're doing and all the things we're doing here in Kingston and, and other small communities that are doing a lot of these things, we're just trying to get back to the way our grandparents lived in community. We've somehow lost our way because we've gone so global to really hyper local action. And, you know, positive to me from the beginning, sitting at this exact table, like writing it all up and coming up with friends and dreaming it all up was about knowing that my grandparents, who had nothing, would trade sweet potatoes to see the doctor with their doctor. Mm -hmm. And that was enough for the doctor. The doctor always had sweet potatoes. Somebody else would give him money. My grandparents could give them sweet potatoes, so they got to go to the doctor. So, you know, it's it's just a different way of being a neighbor. Yeah. Well, I, and I think that the getting to be a neighbor is really the essential bit. Being in community has value, and there is resiliency that comes into it. That doesn't get banked in the sense that there's some ledger, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. it's banked in the sense that people have a certain feeling around you mm-hmm. and you around them and when there is hardship that trust in those relationships that are built up mm-hmm. uh, form a web of interdependence amazon's not going to be there for you if you don't have any money to buy the thing right and you know it may be more expensive to make certain things locally and there's certain goods that it makes sense to centralize and distribute long distances and so on but there's a lot of things where it does that doesn't make sense and the price mechanism only works because there's so much direct subsidy in the form of government subsidies, tax breaks, and so on. Or there's indirect subsidies in the sense that there's all these negative externalities, depletion of soil fertility, or pollution of the water, or pollution of the air, or changes in climate that are not incorporated into the price. And that's economics 101. You get Adam Smith's various market failures taught early on, and then you forget about them from then on when you get your neoliberal mm-hmm. economics education. That was my undergraduate. Well, yeah, that so. sounds, yeah. Well, yeah. it's interesting what you, what you were just saying. You know, I, as you're talking, I'm like, oh, my God, yes, oh, my God, oh, it's too big. Oh, what do we do about Because people need money to pay to buy food still. We're not, we don't have a, we haven't built a perfect system. What we're trying to do is show people what's possible, and then hopefully they can go to their own communities and do something that is important to them to do. Because, you know, we're not going to get away from this system tomorrow or the next day. We may not even have a planet by the time we're ready to get rid of this system and change it with something else. But in the meantime, we sure as hell can try and we sure as hell can build something that like someone like you is attracted to, right? Like we know people have moved here because of O positive. Like you just said it, but like we've been getting that for years because I want to live in a community that actually values art and medicine and everything else equally. That's life right without that what do we have like i don't know i don't want to live in a world without art and music and caring for each other but we can have some sense of security from accumulating lots of things and living in a big house with a tall fence yeah or building a a big buffer of dollars in our bank account or something like this but i don't think that the issue is going to be we're not going to have a planet i mean the planet's not going anywhere the question is how well it's going to support (laughs) the sort of existence that we actually want to have for ourselves and those we care about. I view it as kind of a series of incremental experiments. Mm-hmm. You know, not everything sticks, not everything works. And I love mm-hmm. the iteration process. Did you see the wastebasket behind me with all the different ideas that are just all over the floor, like thousands of them? 
Like, just the things that don't work. Oh, my God. The time I was going to, you know, give mayonnaise to a tuna and cut out the middleman, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> been going for 13 years, so that says something. Yeah, it's hard. It's, um, you know, we survive off su- the support of the community. At the festival, everybody gets tickets. There's a price to it, but it's, it's like $75 for three days, which is insane. Um, and if you don't have that, we have community tickets available for everybody. So it's, it's, you know, it's a very low barrier to entry. In fact, if you have nothing, I'm sure we can let you in. So it's very simple to, to get involved and to, to do it and to do the work. I think that the, the hard part, we started as all volunteers and now we have a staff because we're going year round. Mm-hmm. Right. When we're taking over a space, we're building a clinic that's going to open on August 11th. We're going to go from three days to 365 with the dream of having a building that has music every night and art every night. And people can just wonder what the hell's happening there. <laughs> but you get healthcare at the same time. Right. So we're like a Trojan horse of healthcare, Right. We make a party. And inside that party are all these doctors and dentists and massage therapists and acupuncturists and mental health professionals. So we still need people's money. Right. We still need the dollar while we build a separate system. And that is the hardest part. Like, that's what I worry about every day. How do we keep the lights on? And um, it's daunting. That was my reality check. Yeah. I mean, it is the part that um, I'm excited to you know, be more involved with as you know, my my other commitments are less all encompassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, building a house. Amongst yeah. them. Have you told and people about your house? Uh, I've mentioned it. Because you say building a house, but does everybody know that you like bought like a freaking <laughs> falling down log cabin in a city that nobody even knew was there? It was covered in brambles. Like, you guys, you all have to see. And ladies, you, he, Randall needs to, <laughs> needs to post pictures from this place because it's like some weird mountain man's retreat. from, But like 1970s with like shag carpets and bong hits everywhere. Like, but... You're doing an amazing job. There may have been some paraphernalia previously. <laughs> Less bongs and more bullet casings. Yes. Um, and flashbang grenades. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's pretty... That, that was a scary day when I found those. Wow. That's amazing. It's pretty phenomenal what you found. And you are literally resurrecting someone's dream cabin from the 1970s and, and making it your own. Yeah. And it'll be, uh, it'll be a community space as well. Like adding uh, a couple of... Uh, loft bedrooms in there that I uh, will make available for, for people to, to you know co-live and then um, there's a new ADU law accessory dwelling unit law in Kingston be attending some meetings around that and hopefully I can build a couple of smaller structures on the property nice. and then everyone who's on the property would have access to the main cabins so like the grand room and the kitchen and the solarium off the back and so on and have it be um, well I, I want I want to learn permaculture. I mm-hmm. want to grow as much food as I can fit on that small little parcel in the city. Have mm-hmm. some fruit trees facing the street that people can walk by and graze from, mm-hmm. as I've enjoyed doing with the, uh, I think uh, most recently, it's I got raspberries coming in, and then uh, there's lots of, uh, oh, what's the the, tr- the tree berry? It looks like a blackberry. Poisonberry? Uh, mulberry. No, mulberry. Oh, my God, mulberries are everywhere right now. The birds yeah. love them. Yeah, I just like stand under stand on sidewalks under under trees and just like you know eat yeah. eat my weight and <laughs> mulberries those. yeah I sit there for 30 minutes and my hands and mouth are all you know blackish purple uh but yeah that that is something that i'm um uh you know it's still very much a still still early stage but as soon as it is structurally sound 
um, there'll be there'll be gatherings. So you haven't put any pictures up on the ground. You Not got really, it. no. You no, have to. Kind of behind the radar. It's crazy. Now that we've talked about it, people have to see it. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about. Well, let's talk about. So come to a positive. What's the experience? Yeah. Um, you get a wristband for three days. You have access to this year will be. I said earlier about Bobcat, but there'll be 50 bands, maybe more. Um, Several different stages to... Four or five different stages throughout the city. It's all walkable. Um, The art will be, I think there's five or six murals. We have, it's a very small city of 22,000, but we have 60 murals up at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, There'll be five more murals going up this year, Um, plus all the other art events that are happening, dance and readings and performances and spoken word and... You know, you go to go on the website, and as we start announcing the schedule, you'll get to see it. It's pretty exciting. Um, headlining music, Amethyst Kia is playing. Um, there's a bunch. Of, there's so many bands. It's it's every year we're like, can we do thirty? And then it ends up being fifty. And then you still reject hundreds and hundreds of bands apply, and you always feel terrible because you can't accommodate them all. But the clinic can only handle so many artists, musicians. Mm. So that's one reason for us going year round that is so important. So we can have every night having people seen. And then, you know, the whole weekend just feels joyful. And Saturday morning, those of us who ride get together and go on a 50 to 60 mile road ride. Um, The gravel ride, I think we'll design it as like a 30 to 35 mile ramble down all the trails that the Kingston is a hub for the Empire State Trail and a number of other trails. Mm -hmm. So we'll ramble down some trails to New Paltz and probably go up into Mohonk a little bit and then come back around and have a barbecue after and a big party and enjoy that. And really, I mean, it's like you get a gravel ride, but you get like all this music and all this art all weekend long. Yeah. And this, the, in terms of the venues, uh, so there's Keegan Ales, yep. uh, which, you know, Brewery, local, local yep. brewer has been there for a while and there's a, a whole stage there as well. So that's uh-huh. one of the venues you have the old Dutch church. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, beautiful and that is a music venue and that's where the big uh, i know last year kimbra amongst others yep kimbra played there there, mercury rev played there i'm trying to think who else played there last year but yeah it's a beautiful space it's a dutch reformed church it's one of the oldest buildings in the city it's which is an old city this was the original capital of new york state yeah yeah with a fence around it to keep out people it was very weird the way it was taken over the stockade yeah yeah, exactly but hey we're learning. You know, every couple of years in the city of Kingston, they do this thing called the burning of Kingston. And just one year, I wanted to see if it actually will just burn. Like, I'm just like, why are we celebrating? There's a, they do this celebration. This gives everybody an idea of like what living in Springfield from the Simpsons really is like. Every two years, they everybody dresses up in red coats and, and um, Revolutionary War outfits. And they chase the red coats around the streets and force them out. But the reality is, when the Redcoats got here, everybody just left. Like everybody just, everybody yeah. just went to the next town. Nobody fought. Everybody's like, whatever, take the town. We don't care. But in our myth-making history, in our American myth-making history, this town has turned it into this event where you know we held off the British. We didn't. It was no holding off. In fact, if we would have not held them off, maybe we would have a healthcare system. Not saying it would work great, but maybe we'd have a national healthcare system. So, too bad we won. Yeah. Um, <laughs> myth making, uh, but it's true. We make such crazy myths in this country about our history. Well, that's true of any any yeah. country, any culture. Totally. Any, I mean, myth is essential to unifying groups of humans uh, for collective action, for community, for cohesion. Yeah, shared myths are essential. I mean, money. 
we talked about money earlier. Money is a shared myth. That's true. Why does it have value? Like, what can you do with money? Yeah, I, I mean, you, it has a little bit of thermal energy if you burn it, but not much compared to what it, you have to do to acquire it. Um, but no, it's the, the fact that you believe that this dollar is... So, I mean, that's no different. Right. Well, yeah. except that everybody dresses up in costumes and chases everybody around the streets firing muskets. I mean, that's just weird. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I suppose. So. I think it's actually this yeah. year, by the way, and and it you so, there have been years where it has taken place during O positive, so you get all these musicians in like leather and like weird outfits, amongst Which is itself like a, you know it's, yeah, it's, its own, own myth. This is my it's yeah. its own myth making. Yeah. Oh my god, the rock and roll myth. Don't even get me started. <laughs> but uh, but it's pretty wild to see. Yeah, rock and roll costumes and colonial costumes at the same time. That's super funny. So talked a bit about the festival, talked about the rides that are going on. Yeah. Another thing I just want to share about, you know, from a personal experience standpoint with the festival is I found anyways, something very serendipitous, which is to say I showed up, I, I know you, I, I knew peripherally a, a few people who I'd bump into. Um, and then I went on the ride and I saw some people I had seen on the ride the previous year and had spoken with a bit, but didn't, you know, couldn't even remember their names and so on. Mm-hmm. But there was enough of like, oh yeah, I remember you from last year. And what started as like, all right, I'm going to go check out Kingston because I feel drawn to there for some reason, but I'm going solo and I don't really know anybody. Ended up being like a series of serendipitous little events where I get pulled into something. It's like, oh, hey, like you're, you know, um, you were here last year. Oh, my, you know, um, I'm, you know, what do you do? Oh, I do this. Oh, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a musician. I'm actually playing across from Rough Draft mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow. And I go to that show and I see other people from the ride and then hanging out with him afterwards and it's and get invited to another thing to, to go sit around a fire. I actually, in that case, it was, uh, it was, it was uh, I get a text from, from Rob who runs Trust Up, which you mm-hmm. got kicked off. He's like, hey, are you in town? I'm like, yeah, I'm in town. I was thinking of heading back. And he's like, oh, well, we should hang out. Ended up staying with him and his wife and his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, over, I think, a couple of nights and sitting around a fire uh, that evening with a bunch of people who I now consider friends and so on. And, and that just happened over and over and over again over the course of the weekend, really being being here. And I find that that often happens as I'm kind of walking around the neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, because there's, again, there's um, it's a big enough place where it doesn't feel too small. It doesn't feel too isolated or anything else like that. It has all the things that I need. Like I very seldom feel, uh, granted I just got here uh, mm-hmm. some months ago, but I haven't had this feeling like, oh, I got to go really far in order to, to find something interesting. Right. Um, but it, it's small enough where you bump into the same te- people over and over again. Like you see that person at the cafe, you know, they, that, that's also working there one or two days a week. Like you, you bump into them every so often and eventually you end up sitting around the big table um, and you know you have a conversation. Yeah, the blessing and a curse of a mid-sized to small town that yeah. you know you get to know everybody and at the same time. It's like, oh, do I really want to know anybody? Everybody, but yeah, you're right. But the other interesting thing, and I mean, you're somebody who's moved here recently. Is I'm always curious how you, how does one, wherever you're listening to this, wherever someone is. When someone new comes to town, there used to be a thing called the welcome wagon, right? Like people would come over with a, a hot dish, right? Welcome uh-huh. to the neighborhood. Here's some macaroni and cheese. Like how do you bring people in? Mm. And also economically, what's happened here? And I think what's happened if you draw a two to three hour circle around any major metropolitan area during the pandemic is the value of prices has gone up so high 
that a lot of our artists and musicians Inflation, have had housing to, in particular. Yeah, a lot of our folks have had bonkers. have had to leave. Yep. Right. So how do you get the new crop, which everybody's always looking for greener pastures, wants to move somewhere, right? So how do you engage new people to get involved and feel like they're part of the community? I think that's that's a difficult nut to crack sometimes. I mean, I, I would flip the question in a way that I think would have similar answers, but is more immediately actionable and say, what can you do where you are to kind of kick off or catalyze those types of dynamics? Mm -hmm. So, you know, examples of like, you know, I have a neighbor who uh, sometimes I'll come home and there'll be a pastry in a, in a Pyrex container on my deck, mm. right? Little acts of kindness go a long way. Um, or uh, you know, with, I mean, trust, trust up was very much like looking to create a, a platform for kind of facilitating those types of dynamics where it's mm -hmm. like, okay, you, here's a place where if you have some, some need or you have something you can contribute, you can come here and this is, it's almost like a clearinghouse for, for, you know, those needs and resources, whether it be like, you, you know, you need a tool, you need a hand with it, something, mm -hmm. or you have some expertise and uh, you can provide to someone else. And in the process of doing so, again, unlike a, an anonymous remote transaction over the interwebs where mm -hmm. something just arrives at your door, you're having an, you're having a very intimate interaction with somebody that you're going to see again in your community. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it really shifted, uh, like shifting the perspective from uh, one of, I need to get as much utility defined very narrowly from every dollar I spend to I have a certain set of needs and there's more than one way to get them met. And in fact, when I think about fundamental needs, um, most of the things that we think of as needs in, in modern culture, even if you don't have a huge amount of resources, are wants. Right. Right? What do you really need? You need to be fed, you need to be warm, you know, you need shelter, water, security, right? And then, you know, to, to live a live rich life like you know, you need a, a sense of belonging mm -hmm. uh you need uh some some feeling of purpose of of meaning right we are meaning creating machines like it's if, if humans do anything that seems really um that that might be unique though uh who knows what we'll discover as we are more and more able to interface with other non-human beings mm. um but we generate meaning you know we're, we're using words that it's like language is meaning built on meaning on meaning. It's abstraction on abstraction on abstraction. Mm. But at its core, like uh, if you like if you feel insecure and like somatically insecure, and then you have all these narratives around it. Oh, if I only had more money, only if I had this 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 thing that right. would be give me a feeling of, of of esteem, right? I have the nice car, I have the clothes, I have the fancy bike. Right, mm -hmm. and yeah. the blingy, the blingy thing. Um, then I would feel, I would feel enough, and I would feel secure, and so on. And that whole mindset is something that is, uh, uh, it's running up the down escalator. Oh, I like that. Yeah, running up the down escalator. Sounds about right. But I didn't realize we we're gonna get. I thought we were gonna just tell jokes for a while. This is getting really. This I'm, is getting. I'm so, in a really philosophical mood these was, days. Here I'm, I am making fun of people who wear spandex like me, and I'm trying to. And we're getting so heavy. But you're right. I mean, it's. Are you a mammal? A mammal. 
middle age something in Lycra. Middle aged man in Lycra. Oh my God, I've never heard about that. Yeah. I hope not. No, I don't think so. I'm past middle age at this point, aren't I? I don't even know anymore. I guess actuarially, I'm middle age. Yeah. So to the extent that I'm still rocking lycra on occasion, I, I guess think I'm that a I, mammal. Yeah, I think you're a mammal. I think they're just looking <laughs> at me and be like, "You're on the. I'm on the down. I'm on the. I'm on the downhill at this point. There's no more climbing. I'm on the downhill. It's that's it. But climbing is my favorite thing to do on a bike. I have to say, that's one thing I miss about road bikes versus versus gravel bikes. Mm. I do love climbing on road bikes. Yeah. I love the dancing on the pedals. I love going up mountains. I think it's, and around here, it's great. Like, it's still my favorite thing. It's one thing I have not been able to do on a gravel bike is truly learn how to climb on gravel Mm. because it's so different than climbing on the road. And I find it, um, it's just less exhilarating. It's more of a slog to sit in the saddle, figure out when to stand, when you're not going to, how to distribute your weight, all that stuff. See, now I'm getting a little cycling geeky. Yeah, keep going. But it's true. I really do. I really do have, I mean, I just, I love climbing. And I am, when I'm on the gravel, first of all, most carriage roads and gravel roads around here, at least, are old rail beds. Mm -hmm. So the grades aren't super steep. So you find places to go climb. So I find that, and this is one reason I decided to get a thesis, is with the slicks on, I could just jump off the trail and just go climb a road. Because as you know, there's so many climbs around here. Yeah. So that's really great. But but I'm not super good at I'm not good at climbing on dirt. I'm really not. It's a different thing. There's a certain um, you have far fewer variables on the road, and so you can. I I find that. Uh, well, not I find recently, but I have found in the past that there's a certain flow state they can get into on a long sustained road climb where, you know, you're, you're escalating the intensity and your heart rate and your cadence and all, and your breathing and all these things are kind of at their limits. And then once they fall into sync, all of that perception of suffering just kind of fades away and you're still going like really hard, but it's, it's, um, the, all there is is that 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 sinking mm-hmm. of all the things. Like it's very very like in one's body in in that particular time and place. That mm. that that string that world line of events. It's like very much in that. Uh, I love I love that feeling. I've that's never like heard I've never heard anybody talk about the sinking of it before. That's exactly it. That rhythm. That Flow. moment. Oh my gosh! It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. You can't even just you just described it, but like. I want to get. I just want to put on my freaking spandex and well, go out now. I described it. Uh, it was in Taoism. Like the, the the words used to describe the thing are not the thing itself. Yeah. Ming ke ming pei chang ming. Any any Chinese nerds out there? But but yeah, it's that was the thing for me with cycling. Mm. Like, oh, everything everything can go away. Mm-hmm. Everything can fade, and it's a whole different context. It's a whole different headspace. Yeah, I call my thesis my mental health machine. I'm sure other people call their bike that too. I think I think it's just that thing that gets you to what you just said, that flow state, that place. The other place I feel that on a personal level is my studio. Yeah. There's only there's only one place other and my studio will always win even over the bike. But yeah. but it but when you're just when you get to that place where the thinking stops and the being is and it's just it's it's tremendous. You know where I get that these days? Clearing brush. 
I had that. I knew you were going to say something about the cabin. Have we named this cabin yet? What is the name of this cabin? Well, someone tried to call it Disaster Cabin. Yes, I love that. Um, but, you know, and, and I'll accept it, right? Because, you know, it was in rough shape. And there's the Disaster Mansion and Disaster Cottage from, you know, two, two mutual friends yeah. in town. Other, other falling down houses that hadn't been inhabited in a long time that are being resuscitated. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel like a disaster for me. When I saw that house in the condition it was in, um, my feeling wasn't, oh, this is, this is going to be a lot of work. Oh, this is, you know, how, how is it in this state or whatever? The feeling was, this is my house. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to make this wonderful. And in fact, having that, that thing to push against, kind of like pushing oneself up a mountain, um, mm-hmm. but not being, you know, there, there are times... You know, again, just as with on a bike, it's like, oh, the top of the mountain is like so far away and my legs are burning and like, I, I don't want to, why am I even doing this? Mm-hmm. Why am I choosing this? Why am I such an idiot that I'd like take on these hard things? Um, you know, that, that's, you know, there are definitely those moments in, I think in any relationship, mm-hmm. you know, any, any relationship to a thing or a person or something like that, if it's a meaningful relationship, it's, there's going to be some, some great difficulty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but the reward is that state of like, you know, I, I'm doing a thing and yes, it will have a result and that result will be satisfying, but actually I just love doing this thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The reward is the process and not the outcome. Yeah. I was just going to say that it's all about process. I think that that, if I were to think about like a, a healthy relationship to the bike, and, and you know it would extend to any anything is uh, you know it's used as a vehicle for that type of connection yeah yeah I yeah I thank you again for making such a nice gravel bike I it's really fun it's just really fun there are, there are lots of very enjoyable bikes I think the I stories know. that you have around it probably matter as much it's crazy how I mean I remember when we first talked Way back when, when you were when you had been at Specialized and you had started a thesis, it felt like a different world. Like there weren't as many companies making gravel bikes, mm-hmm. and now it's just like it was the early days. Yeah. Oh my gosh, everybody has a gravel bike. I ride an yeah. or I one of my road bike that I've ridden tens of thousands of miles on is a two thousand seven frame Orbea Orca. Just I had bought the frame and I built it up with Campy and built all these. It's a Franken bike, right? I've spent more time on that bike than I have with anything in my life other than my cats, and uh, and they now make a gravel bike, or oh, Bayon. Oh yeah. Every, and I'm like, what? What? How, how did they end up here? I, I used to define it as the the multi-purpose road bikes that the industry should have been providing to regular riders all along. Like yeah. most riders don't need, you know several different bikes for all the different purposes like a single bike maybe with two wheel sets maybe with some features to um you know make it adaptable to different types Mm -hmm. of riding like a dropper and so on i mean that 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 was the thesis yeah i mean not the only part of the thesis but that was one of the core product theses right and why we we called it as such and uh i still feel that way like i i still have a single bike with two wheel sets so i still drink my own kool-aid i guess in that regard that's great um How'd you get into writing? Oh, well, I was a disenfranchised youth. <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan made me ride a bike. Um, I think growing up, 
you know, we all have our own stories, right? And I, I'm not a big fan of people. It's a big push these days, it seems. Everybody has to tell their story, right? It's just like, I don't, whatever. Everybody has the same damn stories. At the end of the day, we're all just trying to survive. So, but I found the bike because I was a disenfranchised youth. That's the, that's the broad stroke of it all. And I was just like, I need to get out of here. I just need to get out of here. And I remember my first bike in a paper route, I think, in Philadelphia, where I had a paper route when I was a really young kid. And just riding around the streets early in the morning, tossing paper, newspapers. Remember newspapers? No, no, nobody remembers newspapers. I do. I do. All right, good, I, good, I, good. I delivered papers too. Excellent, excellent. Waltham, I mean, I think, Waltham News Tribune. Well, all right. I think I was the favorite. My sisters did as well. Well, the what sometimes is when I wasn't doing the route that I was supposed what to. What was it called? <laughs> the Waltham News Tribune. Oh, I love that. I just heard that a nonprofit bought eleven out of the twelve independent newspapers in Maine yesterday to keep them alive. That's pretty cool. That's much better than Sinclair or some other Exactly. Right. So there's now 11 of the 12 newspapers in Maine will survive as a not-for-profit. Anyway, I I digress. Throwing newspapers and then, um, uh, you know, remember there was a movie, Breaking Away, right? And as an Italian-American, that kid's singing in Italian in the beginning of the movie and then being a cutter and like being an outcast and not in the, the college. I was always an outcast. I was totally never comfortable wherever I was. I became a painter, like nobody, whatever. So I discovered bikes really early on and it just got me out of whatever bad situation I was in. Mm. And that to me, that was always the escape machine. So even now when I leave my front door, I can go do a 30 mile gravel ride now and never have to hit a road. And I always feel so much better when I come back because now it's all in my head. Unfortunately, at this point, the software we were using happened to cut out. So while the conversation continued for quite some time, we don't have the rest to share with you. However, if you'd like to join us at the O Positive Festival, whether for the rides or the festival itself, you can visit opositivefestival.org or reach out to Joe or myself in the ridership. So with that, hope you've enjoyed the episode. And as another dear friend of mine likes to say, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels. (laughs) 